I respect religious people. I respect faith-based people. And I respect spirituality-based people. And I have religious people in my life. And our relationship is healthy. I have faith-based people in my life and our relationship is healthy. And I have spirituality-based people in my life and our relationship is healthy. I am not a religious bigot because I despise religious bigotry. I despise religious persecution because it's dead wrong to persecute people because of their faith, religion, spirituality. So I'm going to be reading an article, churchanswers.com. I tend to read things that are the kind of things in church that need to be addressed so the church can be built back better. I believe in church reformation. Again, I believe in church reformation. I never believe in church abolishment. Again, I never believe in church abolishment. All right. 12 Reasons Pastors' Wives Are Lonely. Again, this is churchanswers.com, Tom S. Rayner. TomRainer.com began as a source of information for pastors, staff, and other Christian leaders. I have been incredibly blessed to discover a subgroup of my readership that has much to offer, pastors' wives. Many in this group have also shared a common plight. They are very lonely. Indeed, the transparency of these pastors' wives is amazing. Many have shared with each other on this blog about their battles with depression. My desire to offer help to pastors' wives has increased greatly. My respect and admiration of them has also grown significantly. For this article, I simulated the hundreds of blog comments, Twitter, and Facebook messages and general conversations I've had with pastors' wives. My focus was on the number one challenge they have shared, loneliness. I also add that the reasons that I'm about to read to you have a mixture of anxiety and depression and high stress. Here are the 12 most common reasons pastors' wives have offered to explain their loneliness. One, superficial relationships in the church. No one ever sees me as my own person. I am the pastor's wife. No one tries to get close to me. Two, a busy pastor slash husband. My husband is on 24-7 call all the time. I just get leftovers. Three, mean church members. I guess I've isolated myself to some extent. I just don't want to keep hearing those awful things they say about my husband and me. Four, a conduit for complaints about her husband. Last week, someone told me their family was leaving the church because my husband is a lousy preacher. Do they have any idea how that makes me feel? 
Five, broken confidences. I've given up trying to get close to church members. I thought I had a close friend until I found out she was sharing everything I told her. That killed me emotionally. Six, frequent moves. I'm scared to get close to anybody now. Every time I develop a close relationship, we move again. Seven, viewed as a second class person. One church member introduced me to a guest visiting the church by saying I'm just a pastor's wife. Eight, lack of support groups. I've heard that some wives have support groups that really help. I've never been able to find one. Nine, no date nights. I can't remember the last time my husband and I had a date night together. 10. Complaints about children. I really don't try to get close to church members anymore. I'm tired of so many of them telling me how perfect our children should be. 11. Husband does not give the wife priority. Frankly, the church is like a mistress to my husband. He has abandoned me for someone else. 12. Financial struggles. My husband makes so much less money than most of the members. I just can't afford to do the things they do socially. While many pastors' wives share that there are blessings in their role, many do suffer severe loneliness. I would love to hear from more of these wives, and I would wives, and I would love to hear from others about them. The words I have heard from these women have prompted me to be more intentional about praying for them. Thomas Rayner, founder, CEO, and lead coach. With nearly 40 years of ministry experience, Tom Rayner has spent a lifetime committed to the growth and health of local churches across North America. <clears throat> Excuse me. Challenges of Women in Ministry. Symposium on Worship 2020 hosted a global panel of women ministry leaders from Australia, the Middle East, and North and South America by Chris Meehan, Tag Symposium 2020 Women in Ministry News Item posted on February 25, 2020. Worship.calvin.edu, Calvin Institute of Christian Worship for the Study and Renewal of Worship. In a story about Martha and Mary, two sisters who were friends of Jesus, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, shows Jesus' blessing and showing support for women to take on roles in church leadership, said Elizabeth Condi Frazier during a panel discussion at the Calvin Symposium on Worship. This, the symposium, which ran January 30th through February 1st on the campus of Calvin University and Calvin Theological Seminary, offered times of worship, plenary sessions, and seminars on a range of topics. As one of the participants in a discussion titled Women in Leadership in Ministry, Condi Fraser sketched how Jesus and his disciples came to the home of Mary and Martha for a visit. Mary sits at the feet of Jesus, but Martha is out of her mind, trying to prepare a meal for their guests while Mary listens to what Jesus has to say, said Condi Frazier. When Martha complains about this to Jesus, vetting her frustration over how her sister was not conforming to a more traditional role, Jesus said not to be worried. Instead, he explained few things are needed, or indeed only one, Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. In front of all the disciples, Mary shows she is equal to them and can share the company of men, said Connie Frazier. By accepting her there at his feet, Jesus has changed the paradigm. Although Christ invited women into his ministry, the church itself has not always agreed about what this should look like. Even with the 
even within the CRCNA, the official position statement says there are two different perspectives and convictions on the issue of women in ecclesiastical office, both of which dis- both of which honors the scriptures as the infallible word of God. Around the world and across the CRCNA, recent years have seen women achieving more freedom and taking on leadership roles. But the journey has been hard and many roadblocks remain, and some of the barriers are overt while others are subtle but show the same message that panelists. During the discussion, the panel of, fe- the panel of female pastors shared some of their experiences. Nicole Massey-Martin, founder and director of Soulfire International Ministries and assistant professor at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, said that being a woman, a wife, and a mother, along with balancing academic ministry duties, can be rough and disorienting. How odd it can feel to preach a sermon and go home to make dinner, she said. But she can deal with handling that kind of responsibility, she said. What is especially hard is coping with how male pastors can disregard and even demean women. On one occasion, when she was asked to preach at a church, she said she stopped by the pastor's office to see if he could give her a brief profile of the congregation. As she stood in the doorway, he checked her out and said... I can't say this normally. I like the length of your skirt. Kathy Smith, who teaches at Calvin Theological Seminary, had a different story to tell, hinting at a change in attitudes. She was asked to preach for a congregation and learned only after she arrived that two congregations were gathered for a combined worship service and that the visiting congregation, with whom she was unfamiliar, opposed having women in the pulpit. I was worried, but no one walked out when I preached, she recalled. Afterwards, she said her husband overheard a conversation in the back of the church between two elder, two elderly men. One of the men said to the other, I can't say this normally either. Well, we got snuckered into having a woman preacher, but it wasn't too bad. Everyone laughed, many shaking their heads, pleased with the outcome of the story. Mandy Smith, who pastors University Christian Church, a neighborhood congregation and campus ministry in Cincinnati, Ohio, had a hard time fitting in as a woman leading her church, which had not had a woman as pastor before. One of the first times she preached, she said she tried to use a lower pitched, masculine sounding voice, hoping that might help smooth the way. My voice hurt afterwards. The truth is that my voice sounds like a girl's. I felt I needed to act like someone else. I was trying to be who I am not, she said. When she began serving at the church, she said she knew people were taking a risk to have a woman leading them. But as her ministry has unfolded, sometimes painfully, she added, people have stood beside her, including the men. Just being who I am has given me a real voice. I've been able to include my whole self in ministry, she said. Najla Kassab, president of the World Communion of Reformed Churches and one of the first women to be ordained in the National Evangelical Synod of Syria and Lebanon, said the journey for women in ministry has been long, going back many years. Still, women in many Pro- still women in many Protestant denominations have made their way through the resistance, breaking down restrictions that are often more cultural than biblical, she said. It is an act of injustice not allowing women to preach. Women are needed. They enrich the church in many ways, said Kassab. We present a new way of leadership. We aren't carbon, we aren't carbon copies of a man. 
However, she noted a common emotional tension. If you are at a meeting and speak out forcefully, even showing anger, you are branded as not being feminine. At the same time, she said, if you don't push your way forward and act with power, they think you are weak. Even then, though, you are in a double bind, she said, because men think you're being too manly. But trying to figure out whether you should make your point forcefully or take a more gentle route is a waste of time, said Kasab. Be who you are, work hard, even if as a woman you have to work doubly hard to make the statement that women are moving forward. Elizabeth Condi Fraser added, be bold in your calling, love for the sake of the spirit. Okay, let me make a comment on two of the things I read. I think being a pastor's wife is a blessing. And people should, whatever issues they have, with anybody in the church it should be directly with that person right I think that in church we need professionally trained people who can help with conflict resolution those who are trained in the art should come and help church members understand what words to use and not use, what tone of voices to to um, utter your thoughts and tone of voices to avoid and the time, you know, so assertively state the time and the action committed, but don't use accusatory language. Use, hey, I feel this way kind of language. And I think it's wrong to burden pastors' wives with, hey, Pastors' wives and pastors and pastors' children. When I say burden, I mean insult. Pastor, pastoral families should not bear the brunt of anyone's personal hurts, habits, and hangups. So I support pastors' wives, and I, I'm glad that you have pastor wives ministries out here. Um, so I am I. Much respect to pastors' wives. I support pastors' wives 100%. Um, As for women in ministry, I support the full licensing and the full ordination of women. Um, I love women pastors. I love the women pastorate. I think that women pastoring is phenomenal and awesome. And I've always enjoyed women preaching more than men. I've experienced the Holy Ghost with women preachers more than men preachers. And I say that in an appropriate way because I got more out of God from women than men my whole life. My grandma was the very first person to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to me. She, she was the very first person to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ to me. So the very first person to help save my life, the very first person to save my life was my grandma Claire. Because she gave me Jesus during a time where I was being tortured and tormented at the age of five. And so for her to give me Jesus, that's more of an incentive for me to embrace women ordination and women licensing both for ministry. So very first person to give me Jesus, a woman, a black person, a black woman, all three, my grandma Claire. Okay. 
that's the truth. Um, so, this is an article that I have read. Um, it's a Christian article, so the Christ, so Christian language will be used a lot. So I'm not um, trying to convince anybody to be Christian. I'm just naming the fact that there are people in church who write from the Christian perspective on anything and everything. And this is one of them. Fairlyspiritual.org. The problem with female passion is how to fix it. By on August 31st, 2015 in Church, Faith, Religion, Uncategorized. This is the author. Um, again, this is female spiritual. So... This is who wrote this. I think it was by... Um, this was by Douglas S. Birch. Okay, so a man wrote this, so it has a lot of weight. It would have a lot of weight if a woman wrote it, but the fact that a man is supportive of women in ministry, that's a big deal. This is what Douglas Birch says. I believe both men and women are called to preach and teach the word of God. These are the last days. In the last days, God has poured out his spirit on all flesh. Therefore, the sons and daughters of God will prophesy the good news of the kingdom of God to all flesh. Acts chapter 2. As Christ abides in all believers, he will not limit his voice to only one half of the human population. Instead, Christ will speak in and through all his children to everyone who needs to hear his voice. This is a conviction I've held my entire life as I regularly experienced my mom preaching and teaching a gospel that transformed the lives of both men and women. Now, I believe in gendered sexual diversity, so I'm not leaving anybody out. I'm just reading an opinion that doesn't use gender sexual diversity in his language, but just know that gender and sexual diversity, I infuse it in these writings, okay? So it transformed the lives of all transformed the lives of all people. All people are called to preach and teach the word of God. I'm speaking from a Christian perspective that is inclusive of gender and sexual diversity. Therefore, the children of God, all the children of God, and in the last days, God has poured out God's spirit on all flesh, prophesying the good news of the royalty of God. Okay. I have tr I've had others try to argue me out of the proposition of women leading, but I simply do not follow their logic from a biblical or experiential point of view. Regardless, we all must walk with integrity the principles we genuinely believe. I genuinely believe that women can and should pastor churches. My denomination was founded by a woman, Sister Amy Simple McPherson. As a young woman, she traveled the country and the world proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Along with her evangelistic work, she formed a Bible college that produced some rather passionate church planters. Many of these church planters were women. The fact that she did this during the first half of the 20th century is rather remarkable, especially considering the low view many had of women in authority. Eventually, Sister Amy formed a denomination, the Foursquare Church, to license and send out all of the pastors she was training. In the early years of my denomination, there were a number of women 
who were elite pastors and churches they had founded. Sadly, over time, this changed. As time passed and pastoral transitions occurred, the four-square denomination began to model the predominant biases and prejudices of the culture that surrounded it. Consequently, men took over almost all positions of authority. This has led to a great incongruity between the four-square church's doctrine and practice. Although professing a theology that supports women as church leaders in practice, the denomination has frequently not modeled that truth. This incongruity has also been evident in other, in other denominations and churches that profess a high value for women in ministry. To overcome this disparity between theology and practice, Foursquare is trying to find better ways to encourage, develop, and appoint more female pastors and senior elite pastor positions. I am very proud and supportive of this renewed focus on the importance of women in leadership. Even though our intentions may be sincere, unfortunately, it is difficult to change existing church cultures, preferences, and practices. Implementation of our convictions and desires has, has been difficult. There are many reasons it has been challenging to facilitate a better re, re- representation of women in church leadership positions. It is not my intention to justify or explain away any injustices that might be present when it comes to encouraging women to preach and lead. Instead, I'd like to address some of the practical hindrances that make it difficult to increase the role of women within the pastorate. Training is crucial but insufficient. For women to become pastors and leaders, there definitely needs to be educational training that is intentionally geared to supporting and defending the mandate for female church leaders. This means Bible colleges and training programs must be purposeful must be purposeful in using gender inclusive language and curriculum. Also, special notice must be given to the unique challenges women face when training for the pastorate. In many theological communities, women find themselves in classrooms primarily led by men teaching primarily male students. While working on my Masters of Divinity in my first preaching class, there were about 30 men and two women. As part of our class, every student assessed the preaching of the other students. Watching one woman preach to a room full of assessing men just seemed incredibly inconducive to facilitating more female pastors. Although the doctrine of the seminary was inclusive for female leadership, the environment was incredibly male-centric. In light of this problem, educational communities and systems must continue to intentionally work to level the academic playing field for female theologians and future female pastors. It is important to note that many institutions are trying to raise up a new generation of female leaders. Even so, I do not think education will solve the greatest hindrances to better gender equality and leadership. The sad truth is we are graduating women from our Bible colleges who do not have the same employment opportunities as their male counterparts. Male leadership transfers to male leadership. One of the greatest problems for female pastors is lack of job opportunities. This is compounded by the culture of normal-sized churches. Most churches are only large enough to pay for one full-time or part-time pastor. When a church of this size has a pastoral transition, the congregations almost always want a pastor of the same gender as the previous pastor. In other words, churches that previously had male leadership almost invariably hire another man for the senior pastor position. This might be an issue of familiarity or prejudice. It can also be an issue of fear. In any pastoral transition, there's always fear that individuals will leave their church if they are not satisfied with the new leadership. Within this fear, hiring a woman pastor can seem like more of a risk than a reward. I am not condoning this logic, but I do believe it comes into play during the pastoral transition process. 
In fact, this same problem most likely exists regardless of the size of the church. Since women are, as senior pastors are far more rare, some churches and denominational leaders are reluctant to change the culture of a church and appoint or elect a female pastor. The second hires another man. If women are to work their way into the senior elite pastor position, they will need opportunities to work in multi-staff churches. Once again, the cultural realities of multi-staff churches often work against raising up female preachers slash teachers. To put it as simply as possible, the second pastoral hire in churches is often a man. Again, the reasons for this are complex with certain biases and prejudices at play. Regardless, I believe there are also some practical reasons men hire men for the second pastoral position. Ideally, pastors want to have a strong, healthy, and close working relationship with their associate. I think some men and elder boards, for that matter, are uncomfortable with a close working relationship between men and women. Whether or not it is valid, there's a fear that a woman and man closely working together within the church community may lead to the appearance of impropriety. Propriety or to actual impropriety. Whether or not this fear is valid, it does influence the decisions of some churches and pastors. Ultimately, many pastors who are working alone desire close friendship and kindredness with their pastoral staff. With this desire, they may be reluctant to hire a woman. I know as I write these words, some may be rolling their eyes at the seemingly backwards logic of leaders worrying about inappropriate relationships or the appearance of inappropriate relationships within a church or staff. Even so, I think these concerns are present in some communities and do limit the opportunities for female pastors to be the second hire in a church. I have noticed that many churches do not hire women until there are already two pastors on staff. In these settings, the woman is often hired for a specific need within the church that often does not include preaching and teaching in the main service. Usually, the position is for a specific department such as administration, women's ministry, children's ministry, or youth ministry. Although it is important for women to lead in these roles, these positions are not necessarily jobs that lead to moving into the senior pastor position. The limited opportunities for women to find senior pastor leadership positions are daunting. Churches led by males often transition to another male leader. If there's a position for a female pastor, it's frequently only in multi-staff churches. In areas that do not lead to preaching or teaching within the main service, the solution is church planning. All hindrances to women finding church leadership positions should be examined and removed. All prejudices and arcane biases should be identified, addressed, and rectified. Even so, some obstacles are harder to remove than others. Consequently, if the church wants to rapidly infuse its leadership with strong female leaders, we need to focus on the areas that best lead to immediate results. This is why I believe in actively promoting, facilitating, and resourcing female-led church planning. I personally believe that church planting is our best hope to rapidly infuse the church with women as senior or lead pastors. A church that is founded by a female pastor is able to set the culture and expectations of that community. Instead of dealing with the political obstacles and cultural biases of existing churches, church plants form their community around the ideals and practices of the planning team. A church plant led by a female pastor will be able to advance values, vision, and mission without wasting as much energy on reactionary battles concerning the role of women in ministry. Church plants also allow young or newly licensed slash ordained women to actively walk out their calling of leading a church. 
Instead of being marginalized and limited to certain culturally acceptable positions within larger churches, they can immediately start living out their calling to lead a church. The, de- the, the, the denomination I serve was founded by a woman who encouraged other women to go out and do what she was doing. She equipped and released women to follow their calling to pastor and lead churches. It is no surprise that she encouraged them to church plant. Sister Amy understood that instead of waiting for the culture to change, she had to create a new culture to contrast the existing biases within the church. Instead of waiting for the institutions to change, she simply formed new institutions and churches that held and demonstrated the value of women in ministry. When I look at the current church leadership, when I look at the current church leadership landscape, I once again see church planting as our best answer to eradicate the tremendous disparity between male and female leadership. Consequently, I believe we should give our best energy to raising up and resourcing female church planters. We must look for intentional ways to give preference and support to women wanting to lead or pastor church, wanting to lead or plant churches, or pastor churches. Hey, I just wanted to throw the pastors church, pastoring churches in there. He didn't say that. I'm saying it. This means that church must give more financial support and greater preference to resourcing and educating female church planners. We must also have specific strategies to facilitate networks of female church planters. It is my genuine desire to work with and support any organization or financial engine that gives strategic preference to female church planters. I sincerely believe a lot of money, time, and energy needs to be allocated to the important endeavor raising up many church plants with female senior pastors. I understand that I am not alone in my desire to see many more women as senior pastors. I know that my denomination as well as other denominations are working hard to bring about change. Regardless, I write this with the sincere hope that many of us will work together to raise up a new movement of God-ordained, world-changing female pastors. I believe we cannot simply wait for existing church cultures to change. Instead, let's raise up some new churches that fully embrace the voice of God in all of his kids, in the entire gender and sexual diversity, in the entire human diversity. He said both his sons and daughters. I'm including everybody. So I agree with every word he said. I want to see more women senior pastors. I love the resourcing and educating and allocating for female church planters. I love the raising up female church planters. I love women leading churches and planting churches and women wanting to lead and plant churches. I love all the above. And I strongly agree with every word he said in this article. So I just want to say thank you.